Hello and welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion email edition for April 2nd, 2008. From Orlando, Florida, I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined as always by my good friends Bob Varley, Julie Martin, Corey Martin, Kevin Close, John Magi, Will Perry's back in the peanut gallery, and as I like to say, always here in spirit, our producer Regina Henricks. One of these days we got to get her down here to sit at the table and be live with us. The funny part is he's actually over there sitting in a pile of peanuts. <laughs> huh? Why would you do that on purpose? For the peanut gallery? Oh. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. That was a long way to go for that? That was an awfully long way to go for a bad joke. It was a stretch on that. Um, <laughs> all right. We have, uh, we have a number of voicemails and emails to get to, but first let me just remind everyone of the contact information if you'd like to send us an email. You can give us a call. This is the way I prefer to do it. If you really want to know the truth, I love I love voicemails. So toll free in the United States and Canada one eight seven seven three one zero nine six six two, and by email podcast at wdwinfo.com. We give away all sorts of prizes. I'm not going through the spiel because I did it twice in the last show. Um, we give away all sorts of prizes randomly to people who call in and, and write in. So. Just please, if you're calling in, we ask that you slowly spell out your email address for us so that we can understand it. Some of you are either not leaving it at all or you're running right through it. And sometimes the quality of these phone calls isn't that great, and it becomes very difficult for us to make out what your email address is. So please uh, clearly spell out your email address for us. So with that, we're going to get ahead to our first voicemail today. Did not leave us his name. He is beastly on the boards. He's from New Britain, Connecticut. And he has a different opinion than Kevin of Tony's Town Square Restaurant at the Magic Kingdom. Hi, Pete and the guys and Julie. Um, I'm calling from Hartford, Connecticut. I'm actually New Britain, Connecticut, and I'm beastly on the boards. And my email is annbrewtwin at sbcglobal.net. Anyways, I was listening to Kevin's review of... um, um, Tony's Town Square and I was really surprised I was really very surprised because I had just eaten there on um, February 4th so not that long ago and um, we were using the Disney dining plan and our experience was the opposite that Kevin had um, so I was I was amazed and uh, sorry to hear you had such a bad experience Kevin um, but um, we, we went there for my wife's 50th birthday. It was her birthday dinner, and that's where she wanted to go. And um, the food was great. The service was superb. And um, we, we don't have a bad thing to say about it. Um, my wife had uh, the spaghetti and meatballs, which is her favorite. And um, it wasn't mushy like your experience or whatever. And... Um, I had the seafood d'Avlo, and um, that was better than I expected, actually. And um, she had lemon cake, and I had uh, spumoni, and there was in the time where we could set our glass down, and the waitress had it already refilled for us. It was just um, that good. Um, so um, our cast member that waited on us was Bethany, and she was awesome. And we did this under the Disney dining plan, and um, our total uh, for our check, uh, we didn't have appetizers, but we had um, 
the meal, dessert, and soft drinks, and it was um, $58 and change. I'm sorry you had that bad experience, Kevin, and I wish you'd give it another chance because um, we really enjoyed it. So um, I don't know if that helps or hurts, or but that's the way we saw it anyways. Talk to you later. Thank you. Bye. First, I tell people often enough that these are this is an opinion. It's a snapshot of an experience. I recommend highly that you go and try these things on your own. Form your own opinion. People are always going to have different opinions. Mm-hmm. I might hate it. You might love it. The reverse might be true. It also depends on your... It could be good one time and bad another. There are places here in Orlando that we love. And every once in a while, they'll have a slip. This is not an exact science. Right. So I'm thrilled that he had a really good experience. In my opinion, and the opinion of the majority of people who talk about Tony's Town Square, his experience was the exception. Yeah. And not the norm. Yeah, we just hear so many bad things about Tony's Town Square. The other thing I think, the reason we hear so much about it is Italian restaurants are plentiful. And everybody can pick one from their hometown that de- that's decent right? at a third of the price. So there's there's so much good Italian food out there to compare it to that when it's below par, it's a glaring exception exactly. to the rule. Exactly, yeah, Italian, Italian stuff. Because like you said, there's a lot of people with Ita- that have favorite Italian restaurants right where they live. Italian's also a very popular um, kind of food, so right. people do have specific opinions about it. I didn't really hate Tony's Town Square. I just didn't think it was as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. I think it's got a place of honor in the world's busiest theme park, and I think having that place of honor, it should rise to the occasion, yeah. and it doesn't. It's mediocre, overpriced Italian food. I didn't say it was horrible. I didn't call it swill. I didn't think it was trash. I just didn't think it was as good as it should be. So I'm really glad that Beastly had a good time. I, I, that thrills me. Good. All right. Well, thanks for the phone call there, my friend. And who else has an uh, email they'd like to read? John. I went from Sheila Smith in Albany, Ohio. I'm a new listener to your podcast, love them, and just found the website, also new to computers. I was a little upset when I heard this week's podcast. I've gone to Disney once a year since it has opened and sometimes twice a year. I would not buy into DVC because I felt it was not worth the money to me. I never knew anyone could rent their points, and when your show talked about this, it gave me the idea that I can rent points from someone. Well, um, you also went on to say that you want to deal with someone who has a lot, large number of posts and she says, well, we all have to get started somewhere at number one. I would never or know of anyone who would ever bargain for something and not pay for it. How could anyone get their numbers up to get people to trust them And when they are new to this? Did they not have to start at number one also? I'm sorry to write this. Don't be sorry, Sheila. I think that's a good point. Everybody does have to start at number one when you're posting on the boards. However... I still stand by my advice that you don't want to pick someone who has a low post count to do business with. It's very easy to get your post count up on the boards. It's a very lively discussion. There's tons of places where you can go and give advice to people and and start up conversations and be part of threads. And before you'll know it, you'll have 100 or 200 posts, and then people will be able to see that you're 
a longtime member of our uh, community. So I don't think it's a it's too much to ask to have people go out there and post and and participate before you do any kind of business transaction with them. Yeah, I mean, just keep in mind that we don't charge people to uh, post uh, these rent trades on the boards. We don't have any real way of uh, holding their feet to the fire, so to speak, in the event anything goes wrong. And while it is the exception, not the rule, things have gone wrong, and people have been taken advantage of. So these are suggestions that we've come up with over the years from doing this. And there are no hard and fast rules. Just because someone has a low post count certainly doesn't mean that they're disreputable. It just means we don't know them as well. We don't have a history of seeing what kind of poster they are, what kind of interactions they've had on the boards. It gives people a sense this person's been around a while, they've done this before, there's that sense of experience. And I think, especially when you're talking about you know handing a stranger $2,000 for a vacation rental, um, you know, whatever warm fuzzies you can get going in make you feel a little bit safer about, about making that kind of investment. It's like dealing with eBay. You right. want to look for somebody who's got positive feedback. You want to look for somebody with a track record. I mean, it's just it's, it's smart business sense, especially if you're the person going to be handing over your money. Right. So, no, it's a good question. I appreciate it, Sheila. Thank you for that, John. And I don't think Sheila would – I apologize to keep – pushing this on, but I don't think Sheila would have a problem having a low post count if she was the buyer. We're suggesting that if you're going to send somebody money, you send somebody money who has a track record. I also think it, I think it goes both ways, too. You don't want to enter into that agreement and have that, you know, if someone has, you know, you got to be suspicious of someone who has one post and who might have been on the boards for a while and has one or two posts. So, okay. Who else has an email they'd like to read? I do. Bob? I have an email from Elizabeth, and she's in Spokane, Washington. This has to be good. He got on his highlighter. Yeah, the highlighter was he was burning up this email with a highlighter. So uh, Elizabeth is asking, uh, well, she's telling us she's RV, RSVPing for the live show, which isn't a live show, uh, May 4th. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to let us know that. And uh, her husband and her can't wait to to be there and so she talked to her husband on the phone and he kind of gave her a thing because she was so excited and I was going on and on about how we actually get to meet the podcast crew when he interrupted me and says hey now don't get too excited uh, so you won't get disappointed it's not like they're going to talk to you or anything maybe you'll get a wave Okay, and and then he, she was talking about, uh, well, it, it's a popular podcast, and there's going to be thousands of people there, so wear your shirt and carry your green bag, and maybe they'll uh, <laughs> spot you in the crowd. Hey, from your mouth to God's ears, but it ain't going to happen. So I do hope you have a great turnout, just not a 1,000 people. And she says, we'll see you then. I can say definitively right now, there is no chance that a 1,000 people are showing up for this. I'll be happy if we have 25. Yeah. So, Sheila, I'll be the tallest person in the room. Come look for me. I'll talk to everybody that comes to the podcast. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Everybody who comes is, is we're absolutely going to talk to them. And there will not be, uh, this will not be a crazy huge crowd at all. Uh, I, like I said, I'm, if, I, I, if we get 25 or 30, I think that'll be great. And uh, It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's uh, 
we're not we're definitely not doing a stadium seating here. For this. <laughs> I, yeah, I'd, love, I'd love for the show to be that popular, but it just isn't. So, but she also has a question. She wants to know when she's going to be down here. Uh, is there anything going on for Cinco de Mayo uh, celebrations on the fifth of May? And I did some research, and City Walk and Universal are having a uh, Cinco de Mayo yeah, day. Yeah, they do something every year. Yeah, so there's uh, a festival going to go on. There's strolling mariachis, uh, dancing in the streets, bands and music with uh, oh, Latin. Latin Fair. Oh, what spelling is that? What? He wrote Lantern Fair. Latin. Latin, whatever. As opposed to Latin? <laughs> yeah. Latin. Yeah, an R has to go into everything, doesn't it? There's not a vowel that isn't followed by an R. Even in Latin, it's Latin. Uh, one chimichanga by land, two was by sea. so trying to do this without a problem. There's going to be a tortilla eating contest. This isn't her writing fun. either. He's reading his own writing. This is his own stuff, yeah. right? Yeah. I love that. Tortilla. Tortilla is spelled right. I've been wanting to get it. It's spelled right. It's just not being spoken right. No, you don't have it spelled right. It's all right. I know what it's about. (laughs) And another thing I want to mention is uh, at City Walk, there's free parking after 6 p.m. Now, I found that to be the case when we went over last Saturday night, Mm -hmm. all the booths, which I did not know until I went through the toll booth that night. So that's a good thing. That's... That's eleven dollars you save uh, if you're going over there, and uh, I guess this part of this event is going on upstairs in the upper promenade area, and there's a seven ninety five charge for that. I also know what Cinco de Mayo Day was all about. Really, I do. It's a holiday that commemorates the eighteen sixty two Battle of Puebla where an ill-equipped Mexican army of 4,500 men defeated a well-armed army of 6,500 strong French army men. (laughs) And they were led by... Here's where it could get trouble. They were led by General Anachio Zagoza Sequin. I immediately apologize to all Spanish-speaking <laughs> listeners. This moment in Mexican history brought, brought to you by Hooked on Phonics. <laughs> now, I have one thing before you go on. There's this whole group of people out there who have decided to club Bob. <laughs> I just want you to know how restrained we all were just now. I thought I did pretty good, except Latin was Would bad. you like a second opinion? No. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. So... Uh, that's it. That's all I could find. Universal is doing something. I didn't find anything else in the area that's being pushed at all. Uh, so if I find something else, we'll report on it. All right. Thank you very much for that. I can't believe I spelled right. Lattern report. <laughs> I might want to do the eating competition. Oh, Corey's been dying to do an eating contest. You don't eat anything anyway. No, I do. I eat a lot. I don't, like just, I just don't eat at the podcast. He wants you guys to think he, he doesn't. He does. He does Actually, do. He's been to Texas Day Brazil with us. That's true. He's done a good job at the sushi bars. Peter was picketing that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Our next voicemail is coming to us from Trina in Winnipeg. And she has some questions about the Epcot Food and Wine Festival. So here's Trina. 
Hi, podcast gang. My name's Trina, and I'm from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, the city that inspired the name of the bear that inspired Winnie the Pooh. I have a comment, a request, and a question. First, my request, Pete, I'm begging you, stop torturing those of us up north with your weather updates. It's warmed up a bit here, but it's minus four right now. But a couple of weeks ago, it was minus 65 with the wind chill, which basically means exposed skin can freeze in under 30 seconds. Your weather updates are killing me. Second, my comment, um, I love listening to your podcast, even though it's a little bit embarrassing when I'm on the bus going to work and I end up grinning like a loon because of something you guys have said. Uh, I love all of you guys. I love your sense of humor. And Pete, I love your rants, whether or not they're planned. Uh, Finally, my question, my job is tasting and recommending wine and other alcohol, and I just got back from attending the wine festival in Vancouver where I had a thought triggered in my head. Um, I'm planning to hand for Disney at the end of September, mainly because that's the beginning of the Food and Wine Festival, which I know all of you guys are big fans of. What I'd like to know is how long should I plan on being at the Food and Wine Festival, or how many days should I plan for if we want to try everything? By everything, I guess I mean going to every booth, even though I suppose trying every product is a distinct possibility since we go to a lot of tastings. We usually have to spit, though, and that takes some of the fun out of it. Anyway, can we get through it in one day, or should I plan for two at Epcot? Actually, I've just thought of another question, too. Um, I've heard and read a lot about the food at the restaurants, but what are the wine lists like? Are we going to be stuck drinking uh, generic wine at dinner, or do the restaurants tailor their wine lists to the restaurant's theme or to their styles of food? Really appreciate hearing from you and love listening to the podcast. Thanks for all your hard work. I know that I and many others appreciate it for uh, giving us a chance to hang on to the magic. Hope you have a nice warm winter, Pete. Bye. Well, you got a break this week from the weather updates, Trina. We were running uh, short on time in the the main show this week, so we we cut that out. But... uh, it is seventy-seven degrees here right now, and sunny, and sunny. But it wasn't. It's 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 been. The clouds are going in and out, and we well, had some rain before. O'clock, yeah, it rained for eight seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, we, as soon as we dispatched Will to go get lunch, it started raining. Poor Will. Poor Will. So let's answer a question now. <laughs> we all kind of zoned out. Yeah, we just all kind of went south for a second. I thought you were waiting for the airplane to um, fly by. Uh, as far as food and wine festival goes, how many days? It really depends on. It really depends on the crowds, and it depends on you. I would say if you really want to get a good feel for it, two days is more than enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, most people, I think, kind of cover it in one. Because uh, you're gonna, you know, I'm I'm sorry. There, no matter how adventurous your your appetite is, I think there are just going to be kiosks you're going to look at and go mm, no. no. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we've I, I've been to it enough times now that I kind of know which kiosks I'm going to skip. I plan mine out. Julie has a, a, a map of attack. She I does. do. I highlight. I like Bob. <laughs> I'm, I'm See, kinda, we just kind of wander around and pick and choose. I'm kind of hoping that they do the same thing with the Wonders of Life uh, Pavilion and have some of those uh, wine-tasting things over in that area, Mm -hmm. which would give her an opportunity to do a couple of day or whatever the schedule is and, you know, where she likes to do the wine-tasting. Right. Now, as far as the wine list in the various restaurants, for the most part, 
the wine lists are paired to the uh, the cuisine being served. Uh, there are, there are staples that are on all of them. I mean, you're always going to have your Beringer's White Zinfandel and and wines like that. But your Iron Horse Fairy Tale Cuvée. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, but you know, it's like any other any other restaurant. You're paying through the nose. You're paying double for this wine, which you can get it for at home. So I don't care what, what, what wine it is, whether it's you know crappy wine or really good wine, you're paying double for it. Gico has a really nice selection. Mm-hmm. Gico has a very impressive selection of South African yeah, wines. They do. France, uh, Chefs de France has a really good wine selection. Any of the upscale restaurants are going to have a wine selection. And they're usually, like I said, they're usually paired to their uh, to the theming of the restaurant. So, but you know how good they are across the board. I think I, I really don't know. I don't know enough about wine to be able to say. That's why it's never a part of our review. Yeah, uh, I don't know enough about wine to be able to say to you that these are you know upper scale wines in their in their category or not. Really I just know they're expensive. The it yeah. does. But, I mean, some of the ones that I can think of offhand um, that are served in some of the restaurants would be like uh, Parker Station, Blackstone, Estancia, um, Chateau Saint-Michel, among others. But I just those are the ones I can think of off the top of my head. All right. So I hope that answers your question, Michelle. <laughs> sorry, I was taking a drink. Um, or Trina, I'm sorry. Why am I calling her Michelle? Why not? <laughs> Trina is short for Michelle. <laughs> Only on Cinco oh. de Mayo. <laughs> I was I was surprised. Uh, minus sixty five degrees. Jeez. I'm still recover. Honest to God, I am still recovering from Saturday. I'm still recovering from having to get up at the crack of dawn to go walk around a plant show all morning, having to walk a half a mile. That surprised me. To uh, well, it surprised me too because it should never have happened, and I made it very clear it was never happening again. Uh, Walter wanted to go to a plant show. I blogged about this the other day, but Walter okay. wanted to go to a plant show at Lou Gardens. The pictures of the ladies with the, or the people oh, with the, the, big the, 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 big, the big floppy gardening hats were killing me. It was the first thing I noticed. Well, actually, I didn't put this in the in the in the in the blog, but the two things I noticed when I walked in, there was an awful lot of floppy, uh, big floppy garden hats, and this was the whitest event I have ever <laughs> been to in. My life. I mean, this is like white, like women named Buffy who make lunch at the club, you know, <laughs> type of white. Buffy doesn't make lunch at the club. <laughs> Someone else makes Buffy's lunch. <laughs> Buffy gets served lunch. Buffy makes reservations. No, and I just, it, you know, but these like, these women with, like, with the checkbooks out, she wanted to write it. This one woman wanted to write a check to the hot dog vendor. <laughs> <laughs> She's ordering a couple of hot dogs and a couple of, Can I write you a check? And he looks at it and goes, no, you can't. What do you mean? I thought I could write it. I, we can write checks everywhere else. Well, go ahead. I'm not taking a check. Yeah, go to that other hot dog guy that takes checks. It was crazy. It was just. It was very bizarre. So I have to do that in the morning and then the marathon session at Universal that night, trying to give away a podcast cruise, just wiped me out. Just wipe me out. So, I'm still trying to recover. You did good that night. Really I held up. I, I mean, held up. With the, right. with the size of the crowd. Well, you have to also understand that I was trying to keep uh, Walter from melting down. Okay, because Walter did not nap that day. At least I had taken a nap to recharge my batteries 
Scar didn't. Yeah, I didn't have and a nap either. That that in and of itself, without the nap, things I didn't are going to either of those things and took a nap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, are you guys listening to yourselves? You you take naps too? Not it's just not me taking naps here. Yeah, but yeah, you I'm do it just, in the middle of the theme park. Yeah, yeah. We, don't <laughs> do it, we don't do it in restaurants. And I'm not oh. suggesting anybody spend seventy dollars a day and take a nap. Okay, well, speaking of Scar. When we came up to meet you guys, you know, we haven't seen Walter since his appendectomy. It wasn't 10 seconds, and he lifted his shirt so that we could see it. And I touched it just to make him happy. (laughs) Now, he didn't show me this guy. (laughs) I didn't get to see Scott. He's he's unreal with that. He will lift that shirt. He's like, isn't it amazing? That's all it is. Yeah, he's he's just, (laughs) he's discovered, like, it's like he invented laparoscopic surgery. Look, isn't this amazing what they've done to me? I should show him my scar. It's like no. four inches long. No, there's from your vasectomy. No. <laughs> Please stop giving me these mental images. You want to touch it, Julie? No, that scar gets that scar gets to be four inches long. Oh. Oh, oh my! You started this. <laughs> Oh my! All right, let's move on to another another email before this gets any more bizarre. Okay, Kevin, you have one. I do. I have to put my glasses back on. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mine is from Melissa Peachy in Frisco, Texas. Melissa says, Hi, podcast crew. I really enjoy your show. I'm considering going on the podcast cruise. This would be my first cruise, and I am in a wheelchair. I'm wondering if there's a particular stateroom category that I should get to be sure that there's a wheelchair that is wheelchair accessible and has a roll-in shower. I use a standard-sized manual wheelchair. I don't have a cot like Bob or any other special equipment. Is there anything else I should know about cruising with the Diz in a wheelchair? Thank you for your suggestions. Uh... Melissa also says, P.S., I just got back from a week at the Villas at Wilderness Lodge and was amazed at the poor room condition and housekeeping. I have been going to Walt Disney World since 1971 and have never been less than impressed. What in the world is happening at Disney? Well, that's an entirely different subject that I can't really approach in this email. But I can tell you that there are certain categories of stateroom that do have handicapped accessible rooms available. There's a category three. There are four Staterooms available for handicapped accessible category threes. There is no handicapped accessibility in category four. Category five has four accessible staterooms. Category six has two accessible staterooms. There is no availability in category seven. Category eight has two accessible staterooms. Category nine and ten are not accessible. Category 11 has four available staterooms. In category eight, uh, six, eight, and eleven. You can only fit two or three guests. I realize that's confusing. If you have specific questions, you can write to me at Kevin at Dreams Unlimited Travel, or you can write to Tracy at Tracy at Dreams Unlimited Travel, and we'll be happy to help you with your handicapped accessibility needs. Please understand that the ship is very handicapped accessible, and the staterooms that are handicapped accessible are huge. Yeah, they're massive. Now, you will have to fill out a uh, medical clearance form. Disney doesn't release the handicapped accessible staterooms to the general public until all other options are exhausted. They save those until the very end. But they are terrifically large. 
So, I also want to point out that what Kevin went through, this is not specifically to the May 10th podcast crew sailing. This isn't what's available then. This is what's available throughout the ship. Right. So you can see that there's only a few staterooms that are handicapped accessible and only a few that will sleep four people so you want to make sure that you get your request in early make sure you tell us on your form you need a handicapped accessible stateroom and we'll make sure that that specific need is met when we get to your quote exactly melissa don't let this be a barrier for you you're going to find this an ex- uh, exemplary uh, version of handicapped accessibility yeah. so please I- by all means join us if that's what's going if that's what's holding you back I won't be taking Cotcam with me on that cruise either, just to let people know. Aww. Good. There's no possibility of me being run over in the hallways. Exactly. Oh, I'd like to see him try and get the thing into one of those elevators. Well, that's <laughs> those three-by-three three elevators. That's basically why, because it's just too hard to move those things around. So, All right, well, thank you for that, Kevin. I do have an, a very quick email here I'm going to read. Uh, I have no idea who this comes from. They did not leave their name, but they asked the question... This may seem like a strange, strange question, but why is the Diz official color lime green? I've been asking myself that question for about <laughs> nine years now. This was not something I had anything to do with. This was a mandate from a group on the boards. They had taken a vote about what color they should wear in the parks to identify each other. And they were looking at what colors were already taken for other causes, and apparently lime green was available. Now, <laughs> I wonder when I, tell you, when I tell you that of all the colors <laughs> that could have been chosen, of all the colors that could have been chosen, lime green is the one color that I actually have a genuine hatred for. I can't stand the color lime green on anything and so for that color to be the one that was picked is probably the worst. It was, it was the worst possible choice, but it is very easy to spot. It is it something is. that uh, has now become part of the culture of the site. And, you know, there were certain things I learned a long time ago. There were certain trains you just get out of the way. <laughs> Otherwise, you get run over. So when the decision got made that this was going to be lime green, there was, no, there was no turning back. So. Yeah, but think if it was navy blue. I mean, there's enough. Everybody wears navy blue, right? You know? Right. No, I, absolutely. No, it's 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 good for standing out. I'll I'll give you that. I just hate the color. It reminds me of day glow. It reminds me of the day glow fad in the like the late '80s, mid '80s, when everybody was wearing all that day glow crap. So you are saying day glow? Right? Day glow. Okay. Remember day glow? I do. Okay. Why? What did you think I was saying? Day Nothing. glow. <laughs> Gay glow. No. <laughs> And now what about as we called it that too? Now what about the uh, unplugged orange? Is that our official? Is unplugged colors? That that orange? Yeah, yeah, that's the uh, the branding those guys came up with. I like that color. It's a good color, I actually. Like that. See, that was a, that was actually a considered, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. creatively considered decision. Yeah, we considered that. Uh, so, but uh, that's the answer to the question. That was something that was decided by the folks on the board many years ago, and uh, it is what it is. It's out there. It's lime green. That's our color. So <laughs> thanks for the question, though. All right. Our next voicemail comes to us from Dwayne in Virginia Beach, Virginia, who has some questions about restaurants near SeaWorld. So here's Dwayne. Hey, podcast gang. This is Dwayne from Virginia Beach, Virginia. 
And I just had a uh, want to tell you how much we enjoy your podcast and we listen every week. And also want to let you know we're going to be down in a couple weeks, and we just had a couple questions. Un- unfortunately, we're only going to be able to stay at Disney for one night, and then we're going to uh, be staying at SeaWorld at the Grand Vic- uh, Hilton Grand Vacations. Uh, and we were curious if you could maybe give a brief rundown of some of the restaurants in the SeaWorld iDrive area. Um, we're not really familiar with that area. We are more familiar with the Disney restaurants. But we wanted to... Uh, get a brief description of some of the restaurants, not necessarily a dining review, but just some of the options over near SeaWorld. Uh, keep up the great work. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Well, Dwayne, you've got a lot of options uh, over on that side of town. Uh, that section of International Drive is what's known as Plaza International, and there's a lot of great restaurants uh, right around there. Um, I know you guys were talking uh, before about Point Orlando. Yeah, there's a lot of options over there. Yeah, Point Orlando has a lot of food. It's also shopping options. So They've can... recently redone it over there. It looks much nicer. I've not been there, but I hear there's a great place called the Capitol Grill. Yeah, I've, I haven't been there. I've heard about that, and I also saw something about the uh, the Oceania restaurant. I saw that on the uh, TV this morning. They did a feature on it. There's yeah. an Italian place called Maggiano's. Maggiano's. We've eaten there. Yeah. So, Johnny Rockets. There's it's a BB King restaurant. Hooters. You're also going to find chain restaurant heaven or hell there. Yeah. Depending on your your thoughts on it. I mean, you can and, eat at Hooters or TGI Fridays anywhere. There is a great place over there that's kind of fun. It's called Cafe Tutu Tango. Tutu Tango. I was just going to say. Yeah. Every, it's all tapas size entrees. Um little appetizer-sized entrees that you get a bunch of them to share. Keep in mind that this is not an inexpensive proposition. This can turn into a very expensive meal, but it's fun. It's a working art gallery. so Lots of things to look at. Yeah, it's, it's, an, it's, it's an experience. Yeah, the walls are covered with art, original art. Yeah, all local artists too, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're, you're in a great neighborhood there for some, some very good food. Some some different stuff that you're uh, different than what you're going to experience on Disney property. I and think it's, it's the better end of I Drive. Oh, it is. No, Plaza International is by far the better end. Cafe Tuta Tango is right in front of a shopping center known as the Mercado. Right. So we hope that helps you, Dwayne. You have a lot of options there. So enjoy your uh, enjoy your trip to SeaWorld. Great park. All right. Who else says a email I'd like to read? Corey. I have one from Cherie Franklin from Virginia Beach, Virginia. Hey, Diz team. I've been to Walt Disney World eight times, but have not been to the water parks. This year, we purchased water parks and more option and are planning to go to both parks. We've read that water shoes are required, but when looking at pictures, we don't see many people wearing them. What's the real story on this? Also, what type of bathing suit do you recommend? Could you discuss the do's and don'ts for the Disney water parks? Well, the... um, the water shoes are not mandatory. I, I suggest people wear some sort of shoe when they're, when they're walking around the water parks. Um, for one, the ground gets very hot. Um, you get very slippery. Uh, you know, if you wear water shoes, you're going to have to take, take them off before you go down some of the speed slides. But I, I usually wear flip-flops and just end up holding them in my hand if I go in the creek or some of these slides. But, yeah, I would recommend wearing sun shoes, but you don't have to. Some of the do's, of course, sunscreen. Bring it, bring it from home because you're going to end up paying a lot more money for these things at the gift shop at the water park. I recommend getting a locker if you have a lot of stuff. Um, dues, don't forget to eat and drink throughout the day. 
Um, get a life vest if your children can't swim or they're weak swimmers. They're free with a small deposit, and this is, this is refundable at the end of the day. A lot, you know, a lot of parents just overlook this. Um, bring a water wallet so you can keep some, some cash on you and your, your ID or whatever. Um, if you wear sunglasses, make sure you get a sunglass strap so you don't lose your glasses going down some of these slides. Um, swim diapers for the small, small babies and the diaper-aged children. Don't, don't wear jean shorts or don't wear cut-off shorts. Some, some of these slot, um, ride-ops won't let you go down the slide with some of these shorts, mm-hmm. um, mainly because if you have like jean shorts with like little, uh, little metal pins on them, it can destroy the slide. The rivets, yeah. yeah. Rivets. So, I didn't know about the shoes either. The shoes, they don't let you go down the big slides on No, because ha- the speed slides, what happens is these shoes have grips on them. And if you're going down a speed slide... You're going to break at, a leg. I broke and, and a toe that, and that, that. Shoe, and that shoe catches the slide, it's going to snap your leg. I never thought about that. I broke yeah. my big toe doing that at Typhoon Lagoon. That's, that's one of the most dangerous things out of anything else is to keep those swim shoes on while you're going down Summit Plummet or these speed Normally, slides. So what do they do? They make you, you put them on them your on? hands. You put them on your hands. And then you cross your hands like this. Okay. Over your chest. I would never have thought of that. And also, the um, don't bring a boogie board into the parks. Um, don't bring, you can't bring you can bring goggles, but you, you're not allowed to wear the the full face mask, the one that covers your eyes and nose. It's uh, it's just a safety thing because it blocks one of your airways. Mm. So they'll they'll make you wear goggles. Don't you can't bring a snorkel. Um, mm. Can't wear fins. No glass bottles or anything like that. Um, another do. A lot, of, a lot of parents, you know, when you go down the slide and you're kind of racing your children, let your children ran, win, you know, because a lot of kids really want to beat their parents. You know, the first one to the catch pool wins. Just let your kids win. No. A, a lot of kids get really, really upset about that. You How can be- you do that? I never won. When, when, they, say, when they say go, <laughs> just hold up a little hold bit. Hold up a little bit, yeah. Yeah. And... I'm trying to think of anything else. Well, sw- they ask about swimsuits. What kind of swimsuits do you recommend? My recommendation is look in a mirror before <laughs> you're going to go out. I would say just look in a mirror. don't wear a thong. There are lots of small children around. They really don't need to see anyone's behind. Um, there are lots of adults around who don't need to see it either. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But also, um, if you plan on doing the speed slides and you're in a bikini, there are chances that your top is going to come down or your bottom is going to come down. If you don't want that to happen, wear a one-piece. Also, don't bring your real, a good camera with you to the water parks. Rent, uh, get one of those disposables because we mentioned a couple of weeks ago the sand gets in it and that'll void a warranty and ruin the camera. And, man, unless you're an Olympic swimmer, don't wear a Speedo. Yeah. If you don't have the body to pull off the, uh, the bikini brief Speedos, then oh don't. You wouldn't believe I have a sp- Even if you do. Don't. Oh, a, no. If you can pull it off, absolutely. Absolutely I, parade I can, around in one of those. But. I can do that. I have a Speedo I'm going to be bringing on the uh, podcast. Yeah, but yours is, a, yours is a boxers. They're Speedo boxers. How do you know that? Because you've worn them before. You've, you've, you've ruined the surprise. You have been, you've been beating that dead horse for seven years now. I've got Speedos. I've got Speedos. I Anyways. do. Oh, and another thing about the water parks, they do, like, especially Blizzard Beach, they do close the capacity during the busy times of the year. So either get there early or wait till later in the day to go. But you're going to have to kind of watch the weather because we're known for afternoon showers. And, and they poss- there's a possibility they can close if there's lightning in the area. So take your chances. Cool. Thank you very much, Corey. Um, I've got an interesting uh, email here that I have to keep anonymous by request, but uh, regarding our discussion last week about the Diablo girls 
at Cirque du Soleil. We wondered how young they were, and uh, or a listener had wondered how young they were. We contacted Disney and were told they were between 17 and 21, was it? That's well, why we started that with according to Disney. Well, I've got something according to a cast member who says that uh, he had worked with someone who used to work over at Cirque du Soleil, and she told him that when she was there, it was four sisters that were doing the act, the youngest of which was five, the oldest of which was eight. Hmm. He says, don't take it as gospel, but it is sure a much different story than according to Disney, for what it's worth, of course. So thank you very much. You know who you are. I appreciate that, uh, that, that email. I think we pretty much guessed that they were younger children. Yeah, yeah. There was another email from someone who actually forwarded the Cirque du Soleil link that told you about how they let them visit home and they're educated here in Orlando. That was actually a post on the board, I think. Yeah, I knew it was something about. Yeah, but Disney's response that they're all 17 years and older. No. Disney lets them visit home. <laughs> yeah, they're allowed to go home once every two years. I'm going to untie you now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so. We have another uh, voicemail we're going to play real quickly here. Uh, Stephen Rickard from St. Cloud. Stephen, you're scaring me here, buddy. You're really know. scaring me. I don't know how quickly this is going to be, but... But, well, I had to endure listening to this, so... Everybody. Guess what? Now all of you are going to have to endure listening to Steve sing a song about his Diz shirt. So here's Steven. Hey, Diz team, this is Steve. I was shocked and pleased when I heard my email read on the show, enabling me to get a Diz t-shirt. This reminds me of a song. <clears throat> oh, I hope I get my Diz t-shirt tomorrow. I check my mailbox every single day. Oh, I hope I get my Diz t-shirt tomorrow. Tomorrow could be my Diz shirt day. We have a dream, and that's the spark. We follow our dream with mind and heart. And when it becomes a reality, it's a Diz t-shirt. For you and me, oh, I hope I get my Diz t-shirt tomorrow. I check my mailbox every single day. Oh, I hope I get my Diz t-shirt tomorrow. I'll wear it every day. Yeah. Thanks, Diz team. Well, we oh, all, scary. We all got quite a kick out of uh, listening to your your song, Steve. I think it's oh. time to change the number. Dog, <laughs> dog, dog. It was bad. Is <laughs> oh, your American Idol? That was my American Idol judge. That was very good. Thank you. But you didn't make the hand signals. I anything. did. You couldn't see him behind me. Oh, okay. People are going to be singing that now. <laughs> if, Steve comes, if Steve comes to the the podcast uh, show that we do at Gaylord Palm, we, we must make him sing that at the show. No, we mustn't. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> Once was enough. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think sitting through that once was enough. But it was cute, Steve. We appreciate the uh, creative effort that went into it. Thanks for being a good sport. Mm-hmm. Just don't let us pick on you. Yeah, please don't leave your day job. <laughs> We're going to have people singing all the time now on the voicemails. They know if they sing, they'll get played. Yeah, well, there's That's a good shot you're going to a good shot you're going to get played if you sing, yeah. Cuz we're sure not going to sing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're With not. With the exception of me. Now, Steve, you want to impress me, go over and sing that song at uh, the new karaoke club over at Universal. Rising Star. Rising Star. So, all right, who else has another email? I do. Kevin. Mine is from Brandy Raleigh. 
and Brandy is. I don't know where Brandy's from. The from the U.S. of A. Yeah, Brandy's from the U.S. A. Brandy doesn't. Brandy's from Earth. Brandy doesn't tell us where she's from. Brandy says hi, well, all of us. As always, you guys do a fantastic job on the podcast each week. It's always a bright spot me for me in an otherwise dull and dreary week here in Indiana, where the weather is finally beginning to resemble spring. It's now up to 78 here. Most likely next summer, we're looking to drive down to Walt Disney World with some friends of ours. It will be their first trip, and it will be four adults and a teenaged boy. One of the adults has extreme difficulty in walking for extended periods of time, and while he does not use one at home, he would require an ECV for the week that we would be there. I have two questions about renting an ECV for the duration of our trip. Is there a company that you would recommend for ECV rentals for the week that we are there? Yes, that would be Walker Mobilities. And two, I know that some of these places will deliver to the various resorts, but do you know if any of the companies would deliver to Dreams Villas, as that's where we're planning on staying? And yes, they would do that. As for Dreams Villas are concerned, are there bedrooms on the first floor of the villa? Our friend can handle stairs, not very many at a time. Are the bathrooms handicapped accessible as well? Uh, in all of the villas, there is a bedroom downstairs. It is the, one of the master bedrooms. And yes, there is an ensuite bathroom that is handicapped accessible. All of the do- doors are wide enough. They're all handicapped accessible doors, and we do have grab bars at the commode and in the tub. Now, the tub is a jetted tub, so it's actually a little easier to transfer. It's The edge of the tub is almost seat height, so if somebody wanted to transfer from an ECV or a chair, that would be done too. Uh, my last question has to do with parking at the Disney theme parks. I've always either stayed on-site or in an off-site hotel that provided transportation to the parks. For each day that you drive to the park, do you have to pay for parking every time you enter the parking lots of the Disney theme parks on a single day? Or do you just pay once per day and use the same pass for that specific day for any of the parks? She goes on to say hitting Magic Kingdom in the morning and heading back to the villa and then going to the, Ep- going to the Epcot. <laughs> going to Epcot. Yes, um, Brandy, you pay once a day. You would be giving a parking voucher, and yes, you, that's all you have to pay for. You just don't have show to. it. Just show it when you go to the second park or third park. Right. Thanks for all the hard work you put into each podcast. I look forward to hearing the new podcast every week. Brandy's also known as Scarlet Eight Seventy Three on the Diz. So I hope I've answered your questions, Brandy. Brandy, depending on how long you're going to stay, you might want to consider an annual pass. Um, you'll get free parking. You'll get some discounts at. Uh, um, World of Disney downtown. Or at least one of you getting an annual pass. Right, that's what I meant to say. It was one of your party getting an annual pass. The, the the money you might save in parking and in some discounts could offset the cost between whatever length of stay you were going to get and the annual pass. So something you might want to consider. And, of course, you can come back with that and visit later in the year. Cool. Thank you very much, Brandy. Thank you, Kevin. All right, who else has another voice or email they'd like to read? I have one from Mark from Plymouth, Minnesota. Does the Polynesian Resort still have hula lessons in the lobby of the resort? I thought I read something that they have complimentary hula lessons. They do, but it's not guaranteed. It really depends on the staffing they have for the day. Um, so it's not something you should really go and depend on, but they do They do still do the hula lessons. It's they not, do still do. They do still do. <laughs> it's not scheduled. And a lot of times it's for the kids, I think, too. It's more for... I've seen yeah. some adults participate, but uh, yeah. I, think, I think if, if their their child is participating, they'll just do it with. Or the adults participating in sake before they were participating <laughs> in the whole lesson. All right, that's it. Well, thank you very much for that, Corey. We have uh, two more voicemails to wrap up our show. 
First, we have Marianne from Texas, who has some suggestions on how she used the Disney dining plan on her last trip. So here's Marianne. Hi, Pete and Pod Squad members. Um, my name is Marianne. I'm calling from San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I've registered as Yoda Mouse. Uh, and I have a comment on uh, the email show from 27 February. One of the things that you were discussing was the deluxe Disney dining plan. And my husband and I and my two cousins uh, went to Disney World the week a week in January, and we decided that because of the restaurants we thought we would like to eat at, since we're four adults, we would go ahead and do the de- deluxe dining plan. Uh, first thing, yes, it required an entire um, regimen of planning, emails back and forth, phone calls, discussions, debates, you name it. What we finally decided to do, since it's three sit-down meals per day, is we decided to do one signature meal and one non-signature meal per day. That would take up the three tickets, so to speak, for the sit-down dining. Um, And what we did is we went with a breakfast and then a signature meal at dinner time, giving us a break in between because, yeah, we're we're eaters and we love food, but that's a lot of food. we were able to plan it out. Um, we did, ate at some restaurants that were fantastic. It was a wonderful opportunity. We ordered some incredible food. Um, some of the meals we enjoyed more than others, but we got to do uh, California Grill, Gico, uh, Narcusi's, uh, Yachtsman Steakhouse, uh, and, and so on. We even one day decided we were going to eat trashy for dinner at the ESPN Club and did Cinderella lunch at uh, Cinderella's Royal Table, and that was that was a neat uh, experience. One thing we all decided, however, is all that planning does not allow you for spontaneity. We would walk past some snack stands and want to get some churros and couldn't because we knew dinner was coming up and we were either all too full or were getting hungry but wanted to save room for the appetizer main course and dessert. So it it kind of diminished that, and the next time we go, we've decided we're not going to do the dining plan, even though it was enjoyable and a neat opportunity, simply because we don't eat that way all the time, and a week's worth of that kind of dining was just simply too much. Next time we go, if we want to do one signature place, we will, and then the other times we'll either set up uh, ADRs for regular restaurants or we'll do the spur of the moment, let's go eat a hot dog over here, or I don't want dinner tonight, let's just have popcorn and ice cream. So it's it's um, a mixed blessing. Um, I thought it was a, it's a great idea, but again, for us, it was just simply way too much food. But the good news is we used all of our sit-down table seatings and all of our snacks before we left. So at least we felt that we got more than our money's worth, in fact, when we added it all up. So it was a definitely a good thing. It's just way, way too much food. Thank you for letting me share. Bye-bye. I kind of agree with Marianne. We've said that. It's a lot of planning. It doesn't really allow for spontaneity. And I like her idea of eating in the finer restaurants and using two um, signature two, two credits. It's a great way to use up your stuff. And if that's really what you want to do, I think, this, I, I think the Disney dining plan would be great for somebody who's um, kind of an old hand at Disney. Yeah. But if you're one of those people who want to see as much and do as much and go as much as you possibly can... It's rough making three reservations a day and being in the right place at the right time. So, But on the other hand, a lot of people see that plan and they say, oh, I don't have to do anything. It's, it, it's all easy for me. And they really don't understand that by getting onto this, this 
meal plan that it it's a lot of work and a lot of times it just a lot of the credits just get wasted and not used well in addition to that we hear people say that i think people have the misinformation that because disney transportation is readily accessible and doesn't cost anything that you're just going to be whisked from one destination to another with no travel time if you're making a reservation for one theme park for breakfast and another one for lunch and another one for dinner between meals and transportation your day is pretty much gone even if you drive yourself right you still got to get into the park at your place where you're going to eat you've heard the old um, nugget that disney is about the same size as new york city it takes about manhattan twice the size right it it, it takes time to get from one place to another, and there's parking and walking from the parking lot. And just because you're at the front gate of the park doesn't mean that you're, you know, back at Tempanito. So, I, I mean, it's, there's yeah. a lot of maneuvering involved in this. I right. tell people when they want to move from park to park to at least allow an hour to an hour and a half to get from one place to the other. And that's from when you decide, like, at the castle you're going to go to Epcot. It's going to take you... Half an hour to walk out, another half an hour transportation, another half an hour to get through security in Epcot. So you got to allow a lot of time. It's just it's if it works for you, and I, as she said, she had a great experience. So I'm glad she had the experience. But I kind of agree with her. It's one of those things that you really have to make sure it's for you. And before I say anything else, I have to say hi, Anthony. And hi, Corbin and Caleb. I have no one to say hi to. Today. Oh, oh my, my my team out there, Bob team, <laughs> Bob Club Club. The Let's Club, Club Bob. Bob. They have cl- they they formed Club Bob, and is Kevin like- has suggested that we make that a verb. <laughs> <laughs> Club Bob, as opposed to Baby Seals. <laughs> I thought it was like Club Med, and everything was included. No, <laughs> <laughs> including all the R's you can you can take in the wrong spots. Laddern. Diana. I can't believe I wrote that. Lattern. No, he had it spelled L A T E R N. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was I have the benefit of getting yeah. to see all yeah, these it's... things. <laughs> Just so you know, that that's how Latin is spelled in Bobland. L A T E R N. I just hope everybody liked our April Fool's joke from yesterday when they listened to the podcast yesterday. All right. Well, thank you very much for that. Uh, Voicemail, Marianne. Our final voicemail today comes to us from Joe from Illinois, who has a story about the strangest places you will meet other Disney fans. So here's Joe. Hi, my name is Joe from Illinois. I have a funny story for you. First of all, I appreciate your podcast. I'm a midnight police sergeant, and I download your podcast on my police computer and drive around and patrol while listening to you guys. And believe me, Working overnight, I really appreciate it. The funny story just happened last night. I arrested some not-so-nice person in the place that I work, and I had to chase him, jumped over a few fences, got punched, bleeding a little bit. So was he, of course. And uh, he was in booking, and I'm going to Disney World at the beginning of May. One of my partners walked by and started asking questions about it. Now, this guy and myself were not very friendly at the time, and uh, he mentioned that he just got back from Disney World. So we started talking, and we actually started arguing about how Port Orleans Riverside is better than I was for Riverside, and of course he was for French Quarter. And uh, he actually shook my hand when he was released the next morning, 
and said, if he ever sees me in Disney World, he'd buy me a Dole Whip. So I just wanted to say, you know what? Sometimes Disney brings the weirdest people together. You guys have a great show, and hopefully I will be able to call you guys again. Bye-bye. Well, that is absolutely a very bizarre Disney fan encounter story. Um, but God bless you for doing what you do for a living. I'll tell you that much. We're glad we're there with you at night. Yep. And stay safe. I just, oh, I don't know. And Riverside is better. The French Quarter. Yes. <laughs> what did Joe... Joe prefers Riverside. We're on Joe's side. I, I we're on the prefer, side of the law. <laughs> I prefer Riverside, too. So, Joe, stay safe out there while you're patrolling overnight. And uh, hopefully uh, hopefully you won't have to arrest any more Disney fans. That's kind of odd. I thought he was like, it sounded like he was going to say, and I was listening to the podcast in the car, and it turned out to be like a podcast team member or something. I thought that would have well, well, yeah, one of us got arrested. Yeah, really. In yeah, Illinois. Be, be very careful out there. Bad boys, bad boys. What you going to do? And on that note, <laughs> really, isn't Corey the one who said he wasn't going to sing? There you go. And there he is. That's one of his favorite soon. shows. I do. <laughs> no. Still singing it. <laughs> All right, folks, that is going to do it for our show this week. We hope you enjoyed it. We will be back with you again next week with another edition of the Diz Unplugged. Everyone have a fantastic week. Thanks for listening.